You're listening to episode number seven of Radical Shift. This is my personal Edward Snowden story. So this is my story of working in the Pentagon on a $3.5 billion Pentagon program. Never before told. And I don't know how long this is going to stay up. So you better listen to the entirety today. for something a little different. I'm success coach and serial entrepreneur, Carla White, and I'm on a mission to wake the shift out of you. Filled with honesty and humor, this show is designed to lower your stress, increase your income, build your relationships, and make your journey a lot more fun. Welcome to Radical Shift. I am so grateful that you have chimed in today. I have a special episode for you. Normally, I don't put these out here. Normally, I don't share a lot of my backstory, but one of the number one episodes on um, Apple right now, Apple Podcasts, is a conversation between Edward Snowden and Joe Rogan. And if you haven't listened to that, I highly recommend it. It is three hours. It's a deep dive into Edward Snowden's his whole experience, and as well as the message that he has, which is a really fascinating message. And it provoked me to create this podcast episode for you. And before I get into it, before I get into this really private story, I've never shared it anywhere else. And also, I do not know how long this podcast will stay up. And you will understand why after I share my story. Um, What I request from you is a couple of things. Number one is This podcast is being 100% financed by the Gratitude app. This is an app that I created solely by myself. I did not receive funding. I don't have a team. And yet it has helped hundreds of thousands of people worldwide. And if you don't have that app already, I recommend that you get it. You can download it at thegratitudeapp.com. And 100% of the proceeds do go back into the app and creating this podcast to help you with your mindset and your life's journey. Now, also, what I recommend is this podcast, also 100% produced and created by me, is about to hit a record. It's only been out for a couple of weeks, and it's going to hit a download record that only 10% of all podcasts out there achieve. And a majority of the podcasts that hit this record are funded by large corporations. So you have to listen to a lot of commercials and they also have a lot of data on you. And um, my podcast is solely funded from me. Everything from the cover art to the production, everything, the the, the uh, social media sharing, all of that is just done by me. So I'm going to ask you a huge favor because this is... You know, like I created the podcast, but you listened to it, you downloaded it. And so that number, that achievement is because of you. And if each one of you guys listening today, if you share this episode and you share it with a friend or a family and ask them to subscribe to the podcast, we will break that record and you will be a part of that. So the way to do that is you just copy the link and or you could uh, copy my URL, radicalshiftpodcast.com. Ask them to listen to it. Ask them to subscribe to it. And let's break that number. Let's do this. And you'll understand why, because um, when you understand this whole backstory that I'm going to share with you, my my what I call my Edward Snowden 
Snowden experience, um, you'll understand why this is so important, what my goal is with this. Um, I want to create awareness so everybody knows what they're capable of achieving and we can tip the balance of this Mother Earth into a new direction. Um, my experience, this is going to be my story about working for a $3.5 billion Pentagon program. Uh, I worked there for two years, over two years, and I'm going to share some stories I've never shared before. I touched on it in a in a friend's podcast. The podcast is called The Laynard. And if you want to listen to that one, um, I'll put it in the show notes. But really, I only touched a little bit on that because he was kind of scared about getting into trouble. He was asking me if I could share this information. And quite honestly, I'm not going to disclose any names. I'm not going to disclose any dates or any top secret information. I'm just going to share my personal experience. And this isn't a political conversation. This isn't a conversation about uh, Democrats or Republicans or our current president or past presidents. This is just my story. And I think it's a perfect and important element to what's what one person can achieve, what one person is capable of doing. Now, Edward Snowden, he is he's living in Russia right now. And he is not, if he comes back to the U.S., he'll be arrested and not have a fair trial, um, according to his story. Now, I haven't heard everybody's story, but given my own personal experience, it seems pretty logical. And again, I don't know how long I'm going to keep this podcast up. I'm going to share it with as many people because I want people to hear this story. I want them to know what's happening in D.C. And... You know, we what we get in the media is, mm, it just sound bites. It doesn't share the whole experience. So um, I'm going to share what, what happened with me. And before I get into that, I want you to know what my experience was with the government before I started working for the government. So I grew up on a farm, middle of America. My dad was in the first CAV division. He was stationed in Vietnam, one of the first set of soldiers that went over there. Um, He wasn't there for long. Governor um, McGovern, McGovern, I don't think, I don't know if he was a governor or what, but McGovern, Senator McGovern, yes. He lobbied or he did whatever he could. He wrote letters to get my dad out of there. He, thankfully to him, I was, I'm alive today. Um, Because I don't think my dad would have got out alive. So he served in Vietnam. He came home. He was very proud of what he did in Vietnam, um, although we didn't speak about it much. He he knew it wasn't our place to be in Vietnam. He spoke about that, uh, but he wasn't against what the government was deciding. Now, when he was when I was a bit older, I was in high school. He had a conversation with somebody who had inside information about the government making money off of body bags that they were putting the soldiers in. I think it was Lyndon B. Johnson's wife was making money off of those body bags. And that really changed his perspective on the war. In fact, I think I have an audio, which I might slip in here, of him talking about that. I found the audio. It's an interview with my dad about his experience in Vietnam. And there is a little bit of swearing in this audio. Normally, I don't like to swear in my podcast, but I want you to hear this in the raw. This is my dad. They dropped off the goddamn body bags right alongside of us. Mm -hmm. 
and I never really knew what the hell they were or what was going on till later on and then when I'm standing up here to the uh, state fair up here guy up there he says you know that old lady Johnson got a cut on every damn one of them body bags you know and that and then it just you know and then it just hit home a little harder you know why in the hell was us guys out there fighting this politician's war you know this is what gets you you know it just ooh, it just aches me to this day when I come back over there I says they if they want to fight another war just take all the politicians, put them in this corner section, let them have it out. The winner wins, you know. Whoopee, you know. Give the next guy the age, you know. Hell, that's you know, just dumb. They weren't accomplishing anything. They had their hands tied behind their back. Couldn't go out to Cambodia. You couldn't go up, hold me in train trail and do any bombing up there. What oh, kind of war? Bomb. What kind of war you fight there? Huh? So, he. He, that that changed his influence. Another part of my, my upbringing that was influenced by the government is when you're working on a farm or when you own a farm, what you plant and what you can't plant is pretty much determined by the government. And there's subsidies. There's You get, um, you know, Monsanto. You can't even have your own seed corn these days. You can't have your own seed. you got to have a genetically modified seed. Um, and so that was all influenced by the government. Um there were very lean years when I was growing up where we had to go up to the courthouse and get a big block of government cheese for food. I mean, that wasn't the only thing we ate, but it helped put food on the table. So there was gratitude towards the government for that. When I went to university, um, I got a government grant. So my perspective of the government was they had little bits of cash, little bits here and there that helped you out. And then otherwise, you pay some tax and they'll take care of you. They'll keep you safe. That was my perspective of the government. And I went on to graduate school. And when I got out of graduate school, I moved out to California and couch surfed while I worked temp jobs. I couldn't get a good job. And so I couch surfed and worked temp jobs. And while I was sleeping on a friend's sofa, one of her sorority sisters came to California to visit. And I was visiting with her, I was chatting with her and telling her all about what I wanted to do with my life and how I wanted to travel. And she said, you know, my dad works for this program and they're always looking for talent. He tried to get me to join it, but I don't want to work there. Do you want me to give him your name? And I'm like, yeah, of course. And a couple of phone calls later with him and I sent him my resume. I'm in my car, driving across the U.S., moving from California to Washington, D.C. Now, <laughs> I didn't negotiate a very good salary. I didn't also negotiate them to pay me to move across the states. This was before iPhones and mobile phones. This was before Google Maps, okay? I did not have hardly any money. I paid for the gas myself. I slept out of my car, made it to D.C. a few days later, an amazing drive, by the way, if you have never driven coast to coast in the US, I highly recommend it. And I get to DC, I'm couch surfing in DC, I have a friend there. And my first day going to the job, if you've never been to DC, it's uh, has a lot of one way streets. And I was going to my office out by the Pentagon and getting lost because of course I don't have Google Maps so I'm trying to figure out where to go and I almost take a wrong turn 
going a wrong way down a one-way street. I think I did actually. And lo and behold, dang near ran over President Clinton. He was the president at the time. He was out for a jog with his secret service and like a ton of cameras, right? It was just a photo op and I almost ran him over. So that was my first experience in DC. I was just loving it. I was loving it. It's a beautiful city. It was autumn. It was just great. The vibe, everything. I couldn't believe my luck. And I get to the office and start this job where we had, it's a $3.5 billion program to get rid of nuclear weapons in the former Soviet Union. So in Russia, Belarus, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, all these places were getting rid of nuclear weapons. And we're spending $3.5 billion as fast as we can before Congress can take it away. I think we all heard that little game in in politics before. So what we were buying were um, these chainsaws with diamond head blades so they could cut the silos. Uh, in fact, we had this back storage room filled with these chainsaws with diamonds on them. It was, it was amazing to see. Um, we had chemical labs so we could figure out what to do with the, the nuclear waste. We had, were buying woodworking equipment so we could train these people who are making the weapons into a new trade of woodworking. Um, we had cranes, million dollar cranes and all sorts of equipment, just millions and millions of dollars every single day, getting on the phone, calling a distributor in, in uh, Germany, closing a deal, getting five cranes, send them over. Then my job was logistics making sure they went from the factory to the location in the Ukraine, Belarus, Kazakhstan, or Russia. That was my job. And they, it wasn't just my job. Let me make that clear. I had a boss. I was at 23000 a year. So I had, I think it was a retired general or somebody um, was my boss. And between us, I think there was a team of three. And my boss was awesome. He was a nice, really, really awesome guy. There was a team of three of us making sure that the, that equipment would get overseas. And lo and behold, pretty much everything got confiscated. The train would be hijacked and the cranes would be stolen. The chainsaws would be stolen. Things would be taken away by the Russian mafia. So basically, we were spending money to buy stuff that the Russian mafia could take and sell on the black market. Not everything, but a lot of it went that way. Chemical labs were being used to make chemical weapons, we discovered. So not a very perfect program at all. And um, at one point, I was really surprised at kind of how sloppy it went. Like some of the top people who were running the program were never in the office. They'd pop in after a golf game or something and shoot the breeze, but mostly they weren't in the office. Um, and in the Pentagon, pretty tight ship, you know, it's, it's a big maze. You can get anything from a Q-tip to a Subway sandwich in there. It's got it. It's like a mini city. Um, nothing, nothing too exciting. Um, but, you know, it's the Pentagon and you have to have a clearance to get in there. So I did have a background check. Um, and so anyway, uh, back to this program, I, it didn't take long before I realized that I was not hired for my master's degrees or my ability to speak multiple languages or anything like that. I was hired because I was female and they needed to check a box. And 
I realized this about three, four weeks into the program when I hit a glass ceiling. I asked for more responsibilities, to do more, to have the opportunity to go overseas. And it was all met with a flat out no. And not only was it met with a flat out no, it was also met with like a little pat on the back or arm around me or, you know, rubbing up and down my back and very uncomfortable to say the least, very uncomfortable. And I was often told not to talk, to be quiet, to know my place. Um, I was told by the person who founded the, the, who was the main boss that I was hired sight unseen, but thank goodness I'm good for the eyes. Um, and all of this disturbed me. So I went to HR, talked to HR about it. And she said, well, I have to follow protocol. And the first thing I need to do is to talk to the organizational therapist. So I book an appointment, I go to the therapist and she tells me things that pretty much make me feel like I brought this on to myself. Like it was my fault that these things were happening. Now, yeah, it's really super naive. Yeah, it's really, it, it's crazy. But again, remember, I was pretty much fresh off the farm. <laughs> I mean, I traveled overseas. I lived in different countries, but I wasn't well-versed in business. I mean, I negotiated a $23,000 salary with no reload. Right? I wasn't the brightest crayon in the box. And, and so I went back to the office feeling horrible. And not wanting these advances anymore. So I'd hide out in people's offices. I would, wouldn't talk much. I'd keep quiet. I quickly discovered my place. Now, hindsight 2020, obviously, the reason they want me to go to a therapist is because if it's ever got the light of day, they could say, hey, she was um, not mentally stable anyway. She was seeing a therapist. You know, it would... This is pretty much why I kept quiet for so many years is because they have power to shut you up. They have a lot of power to keep you quiet. Look what they did to Edward Snowden. He's not even able to live in his own country, yet he's sharing stuff at the, that the public should know about. Their own personal rights are being violated. And because he's saying that and he has proof of it, He's driven out of the country. And again, I don't know how long I'm going to keep this podcast up. I feel kind of nervous creating it to begin with. So anyway, let's move on. I wasn't making a lot of money. So of course, where did I live? I lived in the crack hood. I was the only Caucasian, only blonde. And it was so dangerous that taxi drivers would drop me off a block and a half away and I would have to walk home. Now, the irony is that I actually didn't feel, um, I didn't feel scared there. I felt scared in the office. I didn't feel scared there. Because when I would open my door and step out on, the, on that front step or pull up in my car and get out of my car, there would be like 10 bodyguards standing on the front step making sure nothing happened to me. <laughs> I mean, maybe not 10, but at least three big guys, linebacker size guys standing on their front step, making sure I got to my door or out to my car just fine. And when they heard that click, my door lock, they go back into their house. Now, the reason that they did that is because I would take care of their kids. These kids, awesome, amazing, smart, brilliant kids, funny. 
the, the apartments were tiny. They were bursting with energy. So, of course, they played out on the streets. And they saw the same crazy stuff that I saw. People on a bad crack experience, ripping apart their whole house, like freaking out, ripping their clothes off in the middle of the street, drive-bys, fights on the street. I mean, it was, it was crazy what they would see. So I would take these kids and I would take them into my backyard, not very big, teeny little patch in the back of this apartment, and we'd play games. We'd play Duck, Duck, Goose, or we'd read books, or I'd teach them how to read. And because I took care of their kids, they took care of me. Now, I had this neighbor that they called the good reverend, reverend and um, I thought he was a drug dealer because people were coming and going out of his house 24-7, nonstop. And so I thought for sure he was a drug dealer, and he did not like me in the neighborhood. He wouldn't look at me, wouldn't say hi, nothing. But then our my other neighbor on the other side of me, awesome man, he introduced us, and lo and behold, we discovered we had the same goal. We wanted to keep these kids off the street. So what we did was we worked together. We created a midnight basketball program where the kids had to show up at midnight sober in order to play. And it was super fun. It was awesome. But the problem was is Monday would roll around and I would get in my car and I'd go to this government building, spend American taxpayer dollars as fast as I could again. And then I'd come home just a few blocks away from our Capitol building where that money could have been used. (laughs) And I played this game for years. See, all this taxpayer dollars go to goods that were confiscated by the Russian mafia sold on the black market instead of going to our own backyard. So eventually it got the best of me. I ended up quitting. Um, I went on to the Olympic Games and became a translator for the Olympic Games and never really shared this story until today with you. So the whole reason I created this podcast is not whether you believe in Edward Snowden and support his cause or not, it's because there's a larger reason behind, behind why I'm creating all these podcasts, all these products that will help change your mindset from living in fear and lack and start living in abundance. I know it sounds cheesy, might sound corny, but really what we're taught from a very young age is that we have to compare ourselves to somebody else. We put our hands over our heart, we pledge allegiance to a flag, and do you have an A? And do you, are you capable of getting a good job? And if so, if you have a big salary, then perhaps we'll listen to you. But the truth of it is, is that everybody has a gift. Everybody has a talent. And everybody has a right to make as much money as they want. And it's when we start making money that we can start creating impact and balancing out how this beautiful mother earth is being run. Instead of fear of our own human species, we will live in abundance. And I believe it is absolutely possible. All right, friends, my next episode is a very special one. I'm going to have my first guest. And this guest, he was in the blockbuster movie, The Secret, and is one of my coaches. And I am so honored and grateful that he is going to make his appearance on our show. So be sure to tune in then. Until then, keep being awesome and keep creating radical shifts. Thank you so much for listening. Now, if you want to create a radical shift in your life, All you have to do is head over to thegratitudeapp.com and that will take you directly to the app store where you can download it and start using the Gratitude app today. 
Now, if you're the type of person who loves to help out family and friends, be sure to share this episode. And if you ever want to reach out to me, just head on over to Instagram at Hey Carla White. I'd love to hear from you and hear your comments. Until then, keep being limitless, keep being adventurous, and keep creating radical shifts.